0: Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Listen, we're we're starting Ephesians today. We are going to jump right in. I got to be honest with you, I have no idea how long we're going to be here today, okay? Normally, I've been trying to come in here and like practice on Saturdays, give me an idea. Um, I didn't feel very good yesterday. I didn't do it. So just... Just lock in. Again, I have no idea. But go ahead and open your Bibles. So I'm going to jump right in. We're going to get right into our scripture, get going. Um, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 4. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. All right, this is the word of the Lord. Now here's what I'm going to do, just because, okay, here's the deal. Everybody stand up with me. This has nothing to do with Ephesians. I'm just telling you what's going on around here. Like, there's just a lot of sickness. It's hit our staff. It's in my own family. It's in our church family. So we're just going to pray, okay? we just going to pray right now uh, over Hill City people and the sickness that's among Hill City people, and we're going to ask the Lord uh, to heal us, okay? And then we're going to ask the Lord to heal our land because I'm, so, I'm sick of being sick. So we're going go to go the only place we can go. Just real quick, and then we'll get to an Ephesians. Can we do that? Okay, let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you because it's the very first place we should come, and it's always the place we should run to about anything. We have access to you. God, nothing is surprising you right now, not even the sickness that's among us. God, the sickness that's in my own home, the sickness that's in our home church, that it's affecting us, we're asking you, by the power of your spirit, and in the name of Jesus, to move across the people of Hill City uh, and heal us. Physically heal us. God, we're asking you to do the very same thing across Springfield and the 417, to move by the power of your spirit and bring healing to our land, physical healing. And of course, Lord Jesus, and most importantly, we're asking that spiritual healing will come, Even, even first. We love you, we know that you can do this, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Okay, thank you guys, you can sit down. Thanks for doing that. So here's the deal. If you open your Bibles and you just started reading in Genesis chapter 1, you're going to see a theme emerge. And here is the theme of Genesis chapter 1, all right? You can write it down, sure as the world. Here it is. And God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. You can find it in Genesis chapter 1. You're going to see this theme throughout the whole Bible. Uh, I've just started reading the Bible, and I'm telling you this. What I'm getting ready to tell you, I'm telling you this for accountability. So just here we go. So, what I'm, what I'm setting out to do is I'm setting out to read the whole Bible uh, by March 1. I'll give myself some grace. So, I've been like, if I can, if, I'll give myself to spring break, but I'm going to read the whole Bible. And I've started this process. And it's not just Genesis, it's, it's the Bible. When God says it, it's going to happen. Okay? Th- th- there's a major theme of your Bible. Now why am I telling you this? Because Jesus comes on the scene and in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18, here's what he says. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's what Jesus said. So what do you think happened? That. What do you think is still happening right now today? Look around us. Just look around the room. Um, that. He said he was going to build his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That is what he did. And in 40 A.D., in the year 40 A.D., approximately the, there were approximately 1,000 Christ followers on the planet. And in 100 A.D., there was approximately 10,000 Christ followers on the planet. And in 200 A.D., there were approximately 200,000 Christ followers on the planet. And in 300 A.D., there were approximately 5 million Christ followers on this planet. And in 2022, there is somewhere between 2 and 2.5 billion Christ followers on the planet. Did Jesus do what he said he was going to do? And he keeps doing it. There's never been anything like this on the planet. And there never will be. That is why we are going to jump into Ephesians. That's why we're going to study this book all semester. I think Ephesians is the best place in all scripture to learn about this church that Jesus spoke of. And here's another reason, like Ephesians, in the life of Hill City Church, Ephesians is probably the most quoted book of the Bible here in our first six years of existence. So it's like, but we never taught through it. So I think it's a good time to do that. Psalm 127, the psalmist David says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And then Jesus comes along, right? God, God is the one who has built this. This is God's house he has built. Now let me pause. I'm not talking about Little C Hill City Church here. We'll come to that in a minute. It is God who builds his house, and he builds it with stones. This church that he spoke of, he built with stones. Now what did he start with? you got to start with a stone. you got to start with something to build a building. What did he start with? And in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus is actually quoting Psalm when he says, in, in, in verse 21, verse 42 of Matthew, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? And this is where he's quoting Psalm 118. He said, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. And Peter writes about this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. That's Jesus. But then it says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. And he starts, and he starts building this, this building. And he starts with a rejected cornerstone, which is himself. And then year after year after year, millions upon millions upon millions of other stones being used to build this magnificent building. And if you're following Jesus, you are one of those stones. You are a part of something Magnificent. So what should church look like? What should the capital C church look like? Um, Ephesians will tell us. What do, but what does God expect of little C Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri? Ephesians will tell us. But what what if Paul would if Paul would come here though? Like 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 if really, Paul would come to Springfield and and. Say he would plant planted this church and he was a pastor of it. Like how, how would he do it? What would he say to us? How would he pastor us? Ephesians is going to tell us. It's a magnificent book. This is an opinion. I try not to give very many opinions up here. Um, I like to watch fighting and all that stuff, so don't worry about this. If, if, just stay with me. I think Ephesians is pound for pound the most power-packed book in the Bible. So th- so if you're thinking like fighter with me like this thing this book is okay it, it, it's small but it can hit you and knock you out in a great way the holy spirit can just use it I hope that w- that over the semester we'll see its power I think that you will So as we dive into this book today's going to be very informational I'm setting the stage for the semester but always when we get into a book you guys may get sick of hearing this language, but, but, but we have to go to their town. We can't just start in Springfield, Missouri in 2022, okay? We need to go to their town. We need to know some things. We owe it to the author. We owe it to the writer to do this. It's just a common courtesy so that we don't mess up God's word. Are you with me? So I want to start with Paul, right? He, Paul wrote this, uh, and he was in prison. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But I don't want to assume like, yeah, Paul, okay, I've heard of this guy, but just so, just a quick run through on Paul. So, so first we know that Jesus came to earth and, and he died and, and he was buried and he rose again. Then he ascended and then he had promised his Holy Spirit and he sent his promised Holy Spirit. And then uh, his church was being built. He was doing what he said that he would do. And there was this Jewish elite guy named Saul and he hated every bit of it. And he was doing everything in his power to stop what Jesus was building. But Jesus already said the gates of hell will not prevail against this thing. So sure sure enough, neither is a Jewish elite guy. As hard as he tried, he couldn't do it. What was he doing when he was trying? He was overseeing the killing, the murdering of People who were following Jesus. He was, he was making sure that people who were following Jesus, if he didn't kill them, he was having them thrown in prison. This is what this Jewish elite guy Saul was doing. And we see him mentioned the, for the very first time in Acts chapter 7. This is when the first person in the Bible was, was killed for the sake of Christ. This is Stephen where Stephen was stoned, and it said everybody that did that, all the people that crushed Stephen's face with stones, before they did it, they took off their jackets, and they laid him at the feet of this Jewish elite guy named Saul. And he loved everything he saw in that moment. And he was walking on a street one day, and God miraculously meets Saul and changes his life. He saves him. And this Jewish elite, Saul, becomes the greatest missionary to ever live. Logs over 20,000 miles on his feet, walking the planet to go tell people about Jesus. The very same Jesus that he tried with everything in his power to stop. Now why do I tell you this? Because without question, Paul would have later been with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. After God had saved him, he would have been sitting in the very same room and had to look into the eyes of family members of the people who he would have had killed or family members of the people he would have had thrown in prison. And this is very important. As you're reading Ephesians and you're reading about the grace of God, listen, Paul had to have this. It's interesting that Paul would throw these Christians in prison because as we read Ephesians, Paul had been thrown in prison himself for preaching the gospel. And he he wrote prison letters. Ephesians is one of the prison letters. Philippians, Colossians, Philemon's the other one. And here he is, he's old and he's in prison and he's lonely and he's about to To be killed as an enemy of Rome. And this is what he writes to God's people. This book, this letter, this power-packed letter to the Ephesians. So we're still, we got to be in their town. So let's go to Ephesus. Let's go to see what was going on in Ephesus at the time. So Ephesus, this city... Power and influence is a theme of this great city. I'm going to say it again. Power and influence is a theme of this great city of Ephesus. Now, I I, I want to stay in their town, but, but power and influence was a theme in the United States of America in 2022. Just... Can I just get at least 3 of you? Yeah, my Okay. This Ephesus was seen as a place of power, a leading city in the Roman Empire. It was a center uh, of of thought. It was a center of Philosophy. There was a theater. I think we'll have some slides going up if, if things work, but, but there was a great theater there that seated like 20,000 or so people. This is unheard of. Like, this is, this is magnificent. And they would go there to, to be entertained, but be, be mostly entertained by philosophy and by, by great thought. It was a center of spirituality. Meaning you, you could believe whatever you wanted to believe here. It was okay. Just what w- You got something you want to believe? Bring it. You have something you want to believe? Come on. And you believe what you want to believe. And you believe what you want to believe. And let's go. Just a reminder, we're still in Ephesus. It was a s- center of financial influence. It was a banking capital. And this city was the temple of Artemis. This was, the, this was one of the ancient wonders of the world. This thing was like, well, let, me, let me make sure I get this right. This, this, this thing was like um, 120 yards by 80 yards. It was, and back, I mean, that's massive. And many of the Caesars in that day stored their money inside this temple. It was a place where rich people got to go and worship inside. There was a lot of weird stuff that went on there because, like this Artemis, like she she was this goddess of fertility. Um, I'll, you can use your imagination and go study some things for yourself. Um, but some some weird stuff went on in this place. Be, but because of of what this city was, it was also a center of political influence. in In this city of Ephesus, magic was a was was big, and not like rabbit-out-of-the-hat magic stuff. Like, this is dark, real, creepy stuff, okay? Astrology was a big thing in Ephesus. Now, I'm telling you this because you need to understand that, that in Ephesus there was a significant uh, supernatural presence within this city. We'll, we'll, we'll probably touch on this way more in the last chapter of the book, or last chapter of the letter, chapter 6. But you need to understand there, there was a significant supernatural presence there. Artemis, also known as Diana of Ephesus, she had, a, she had a holiday that celebrated her. Remember this goddess of fertility. And the, what, the, what they say is this, was, this would have been celebrated similarly to how we celebrate Christmas. Kind of a big deal. And they would worship this goddess. They believed that she was the one who brought provision and blessing for them. Now, about Ephesus, I love the Bible because we can read about Ephesus. We can first read about Ephesus in the Bible when Paul went there. This is in Acts chapter 19. We won't read the whole chapter, but if you want to go back later today, just read Acts chapter 19. And you're going to see where this church, this church in Ephesus, this letter to the Ephesians, it started with just 12 dudes who had heard some things from John the Baptist and they're like, okay, John the Baptist told us this guy was coming. He told us the Messiah was coming. We believed him. Awesome. Meanwhile, Jesus comes. He lives. He dies. He resurrects. And these guys are still like, great, Messiah is coming. Paul shows up and he's like, hey, have you guys been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they're like, what are you, uh, who? Like Jesus already came and sent his spirit and they didn't even know it. And these 12 guys that day heard that Jesus had, he, he, he came. What John said was going to happen, had happened. And then I'll pick up, I'm just going to read a little bit in verse 8 through 10 of Acts chapter 19, okay? So listen, you, th- this is what Paul would do in Springfield. I'm telling you, if he came here, this is what he would be doing. And he entered the synagogue, and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, the way of Jesus, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew. This is Paul. He withdrew from them, and he took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. So, so he, he had some oppositions. You're whack. You, I don't believe you. Quit teaching this stuff here. What did he do? Okay, I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm just leaving. I'm going to come over here and teach it. He didn't stop. This continued for two years, Acts tells us, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So Paul's in Ephesus, and he stays for two years, and he's preaching the gospel, and he's preaching the gospel, and he's making disciples. And it starts with 12 people who had heard what John the Baptist had said. But in verse 20 of Acts chapter 19, it says, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. And then you can keep reading in Acts chapter 19. Paul preaches the gospel. People are passing from death to life. They're believing in Jesus. They're following the way. Why? Because they had heard the greatest thing they'd ever heard in their lives. The gospel. But here's what happened. See, in Ephesus, all these people that started following Jesus, it started messing with the people of Ephesus. And what I mean by that is it, it started messing with the real, true God of the hearts of the people of Ephesus. And you think, oh, you mean Diana? Like, they were, like Paul was saying, Diana wasn't real and all that? Like, and they, were, they felt bad? No, 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 listen. If you read Acts chapter 19, here's what happened. People were being saved, and it affected the wealth and the money of the people in Ephesus who weren't following Jesus, and they said, this has got to stop. Believe what you want, but don't you dare mess with our pocketbook. I'm still talking about Ephesus. Teach the Bible, but don't you dare start messing with our pocketbooks. I'll stop right there. So we have this letter, this letter to Ephesians. This is written 30-ish, 30 or so years after Jesus had ascended into heaven. This letter was written about 8 to 10 years after Acts chapter 19. So it started with 12 in Acts chapter 19. Here we are 10 years later, 40 years after this letter. 40 short years after this letter would have been written, there would have been 10 thousand Christ followers on the planet why because Jesus said he's going to build his church this is a corporate book again I'm just going to kind of run I'm laying groundwork for the whole semester but you got to get this listen this is a corporate book written to a group of people Many churches, not just the church in Ephesus, many churches would have, would have read this letter, had this letter read aloud to them. So why am I telling you this? Well, listen, God has something for you. Without question, I believe God has something for you individually out of this book, but this book wasn't written to an individual. And I want us to see that this semester. What does God have for us? What is, yeah, what is my part individual? What is my part in the big picture, in this broader scheme, and this thing that's way bigger than me individually. That's what I hope we see through Ephesians. This book is about recognizing the gospel and recognizing the power that we have together in Christ. Did you get that? This Ephesians is about the it's about the gospel and recognizing the power that we have together in Christ. You will see the term riches used five times in this letter. You'll see power used six times. Glory used eight times. You will see the phrase in Christ 15 times. Or, or, or some sort of, 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 of uh, something that means the same thing as in Christ. 15 times. I want you to see this though. This letter is full of of construction language. So any of you guys have ever, uh, w- ever been in construction? We have, a, we have a handful of these guys in our church. They're builders. They, they get this. But this, this letter is chalked full of construction language. I'm just going to give you a few. This isn't exhaustive. But foundation. You see that word predestined. Oh, boy. We're going to talk about that. Predestined means to, to mark out. It's what you do before you build something. You mark out where it's going to be built. That's what that word means. Immeasurable. Workmanship. The word built. The word structure. The word cornerstone. The word breadth, length, width, height. Right? All there in one verse. The building up of. This is all over this letter. It's construction language. Why so much construction language? See, now this excites me. I don't think this is going to excite you guys as much. But why so much construction language? Well, because Jesus said, I will build my church. That's part of it. There's another reason. See, Paul always did this. He goes straight to the heart of the people of Ephesus. Ephesus. See, there's nothing you can do in Ephesus where you wouldn't have been in the shadow of this temple of Artemis. This magnificent building. Like their building. People travel from all over. Tourists come in town. Why? To see this magnificent temple. There's nowhere you could have been in that city and not been in the shadow of this building. And Paul's like, okay, we're going to talk about a building. But that's not, that's not the only thing. This, this is where I geek out. Okay. The people in this church, in Ephesus, there would have been many people who have left Judaism to follow Christ, even in Ephesus. There were Jews and Greeks. That's how, that's how it worked, right? Um, you know, Jews had a building they were pretty proud of, too. The Temple of Solomon would have been near and dear to their hearts, even after following Jesus And Paul's like, Y'all got a pretty neat building, don't you? Let me tell you about a building. And that's a major theme in Ephesus. Ephesians is divided into really kind of two parts. And maybe if you get anything today, I hope that you will get this and kind of understand how Ephesians is written. I think I'll have them up here on slides. I can't remember if I made these or not. But essentially, you have chapters 1 through 3 that they sort of fit together. And then you have 4 through 6 is kind of the next part of Ephesians. And they sort of fit together. Okay? So 1 through 3 is like theology. It's like the theology of Ephesians. And then... Four through six is like now, here's what you should do because of this theology. In other words, practice. One through three. This is all the things you got to make sure you know. And once you know these, then four through six, now this is how you should live. First half is, is doctrine, second half, duty. First three chapters of Ephesians is about the wealth that you have in Christ. And then the second half is okay, your walk in Christ. First half of Ephesians is affirmation, God telling you who you are. And then the second half going, okay, now out of that, here's how you should live expectation. But here's my here, my favorite one, and kind of the way I'd like us to see this is verse one, or chapters one through three is how God sees us in Christ. And then chapters 4 through 6 is how the world should see Christ in us. And I hope that helps you understand sort of how Ephesians is laid out. So, you ready? Okay. Sean and I are ready. Let's just go backstage. We can get Ephesians. Let's jump in here, and we won't do a ton of Ephesians today, but man, we, we, we have a lot in these few verses. Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 4, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. There's that phrase again, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now just quickly, I, I want us to start seeing this in scripture. Wherever you see the term Christ Jesus, I think it's not a stretch. to just you, you, you can take that out and just put King Jesus there and mean the same thing. And I want us to, st- listen, I talked about this last week. we got to start living like we have a king. And, and, and that's no accident this, that it's Christ Jesus there. We've heard it so much it doesn't hit us the same. But listen to me, Jesus is our king. And when we see Christ Jesus, just think king Jesus, he rules it all. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Okay. don't miss that that's past tense that's as sure as the world as sure as I'm standing on this stage right now in front of you that's how sure you have been blessed he has blessed us like it's not something listen this isn't something you work for This is a done deal, and that's some of the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. He has blessed us in Christ. Listen, Paul leaves no doubt where we are blessed, Hill City Church. We are blessed in Christ. Now, if you don't know this, if you, if you just take like verse 3 and go all the way uh, through verse 15, let me take a look at it, I think it's fi- through 14, verse 3 through 14, this is just a little trivia, whatever. This is actually the longest sentence in the Bible. It's one sentence. Now, in our English Bible, that's how it's going to play out. But if you, in Greek, this is just one long, huge, run-on sentence. Longest sentence in your Bible. Verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, verse 12, verse 13. And again in verse 13 we see in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. This is where our blessing is. If you have been saved, if you have passed from death to life, this blessing is yours. Every spiritual blessing is yours. When is it yours? Are you ready for this? Uh, Right now. Right now. In other words, here's what I'm telling you. This part of your faith isn't a process. You are blessed right now with how many blessings? Every one of them. Every spiritual blessing right now. Romans 8, chapter 1 says, there is therefore now. Now, that's a big word. That's a really big word, isn't it, Danny Mac? We talked about this. Listen to me. That's a massive word, that one little word. Now, not later, there is therefore now. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sean, I'm so excited right now. And I know there's some sickness and we're tired. I just told you the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. We don't wait till we see Jesus face to face for there to be no condemnation. It's now. You know what you did last night. You know what you thought this morning when you woke up. You know what you did in high school. You know what you did in college. You know all this, and so does he. And the Bible says, and now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says it a different way in Colossians chapter 3. For for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It's another way to say in Christ Jesus. Listen, we are going to come back to this so much through this book. (laughs) I'm going to move on today, okay? But mm, if nothing else, like, hopefully something stirred in your heart this morning about this. i got to move on. Verse 3 says this. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And again, I have to say this again, this isn't, listen to me, this is now. This isn't some, this isn't some process like, so, so what are you talking about? Okay, but what are the spiritual blessings? This sentence I told you about is going to give us a few of them. I'm not going to teach them today. But this, just this long sentence at the beginning of this letter is going to give you just a few of the spiritual blessings. Adoption. Forgiveness of sins. Redemption, and inheritance just to name a few so, so, so what I want you to go away with or what do you need to understand today as we dive into this book you need to understand this Hill City and I mean this with all my heart listen he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing let me say this another way he has given you he has given you and me everything that we could ever need and then some. So I, I, I struggled with coming up with illustration. Let me just try this, okay? I, I just thought, man, maybe imagine if a person maybe in poverty, or or just maybe me, okay? Um, if I met Elon Musk and he's like, here's the deal, you you got all my money, and you can have all my power and you have all my influence, it's yours. Can you imagine that? You have all the access to everything that's mine. And, and I would walk away from that conversation going, do I? And imagine going away and then calling like one of you guys. And be like, hey, I'm in a little crunch here. You got $100? It's like, what? And, and I know that's probably not a, not a great analogy, but, but, but listen to me. Here's the reality. Not much has changed since Genesis chapter 3. And stay with me. Here's what I mean by that. God gives us, He gives Adam and Eve, He's like, here's all you'll ever need, and then some. He says, it's all yours, you have access to it all. And then Adam and Eve were deceived into thinking that they were missing something. See where I'm going here? You know where I'm going, right? You can beat me there, I don't care. See, when we look outside of what we've been given in Jesus, when we think that we can go elsewhere or that we should go elsewhere for all the promises that have been realized in the good news of Jesus Christ, we're deceived just like Adam and Eve. We have all we ever need. See, here's what we got to get in Christ. In Christ, we are infinitely blessed. Say it with me. In Christ, we are infinitely blessed. Now here's the issue. Some of you, not very many of you, some of you just don't believe that in this room right now. That's not very many of you. I think most of you do believe it. Here's where most of you are. You're with me. You ready? Most of us, we just tend to forget it. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We just forget it, that we're infinitely blessed, that we have everything that we need. Why is it that we rehearse the gospel at Hill City so much? Why is it that we just preach the gospel over and over and over? That's your reason right there. See, Here's the thing about Ephesians. It's going to talk about one unified church, one unified building, one baptism, one spirit together doing what God wants us to do. But we we can't miss this. Paul does not begin to even talk about this unity until he gets to us and gets through to us the one thing that should unify us. And that is the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus that's it that's what we're going to preach here each week so listen, spoiler every week you come here we're going to preach Jesus and we're going to remind each other who we are in Jesus that's what we're going to do so welcome to Hill City that's what we do here Stay with me.